three, two, one. Daybreaks and aches. I'll be running when my feet hit the ground. Welcome to From One Mom to Another with Cindy Anderson. I subscribe to the belief that women need women. As a mother of seven, she is versed in all aspects of the triumphs, joys, and challenges of parenting. Tap into your own strengths and trust that you are the best mother your children ever had. And give yourself some credit. Take some time to breathe. You are doing better than you think. Now here's Cindy. You are all doing better than you think. Welcome everyone to From One Mom to Another, where myself and daughter Stephanie talk about the challenges and triumphs of being a mother. Today, we are going to talk about how we help our children learn how to increase their self-esteem. This is not something we can do for our children, but teach them how to increase their self-esteem from within. Making this episode uh, somewhat of a cousin to our previous episode, You Are Not Responsible for Your Children's Happiness. I encourage you to go give that a listen if you haven't already. Okay, so let's dive in. The first topic that we want to talk about is how do we help our children regulate their feelings um, through through good coping skills and not, as mothers, feel hostage to our children's demands. Uh, Meaning, as parents, it's not our responsibility to pave and smooth every road in front of them. And sometimes those bumpy roads will be when they're mad at us. Uh, They throw temper tantrums. They uh, don't like uh, what we are telling them or asking them to do. Sometimes those roads are found in their own life problems with school and friends. Um, But self-esteem comes from problem solving. So I think probably as a parent, the most stressful times in dealing with children is when they just absolutely lose it and throw a temper tantrum over something that, that isn't going their way or they're not getting. And a lot of time that anger is directed as, at you as the parent um yes uh-huh. and i i think that you know one way we could kind of look at that um in a more positive way is that those moments are actually great opportunities to teach our children how to problem solve and if not problem solve then at least emotionally regulate one um which which i i would you know i i don't think we can um, underscore how difficult that is to do when our child is upset and angry with us. Um, they, the inclination sometimes is just give them what they want or send them away or, or lay on the floor with them and kick and scream. And <laughs> sure, all of those things are great <laughs> options. Um, However, but helping them regulate those feelings certainly. Yeah, yeah. I really like this psychologist. Her name is Jane Nelson. And she has a saying, and she said, when children feel better, they act better. And yeah, and she has this really interesting take on timeout. Um, She looks timeout as more of an opportunity for a child to calm down, regain some calm, some peace. She believes that a kid should be able to choose a timeout spot. They should be able to do some things in their timeout spot that help them calm down, play with a toy read because they're not going to talk with you and work with you and listen while they're just so angry and she's not saying you know let them do whatever they want and go have fun the timeout spot but just give them a chance to calm down first and start to feel better and then approach the problem yeah you know i i have a couple kids who did not do well with timeout they just felt like they were 
isolated, like I didn't want to be around them, and nothing productive happened during that time, and I had to learn to do some different things. I recently came across this idea um, last winter, and I asked, I asked my oldest, Eden, how she felt when I would put her in the very traditional timeout spot of, you know, I said, did you think about, you know, what you had done wrong? And she said, no. <laughs> I thought about how mad I was at you. <laughs> right. And, you know, I am a really big proponent of um, helping our kids participate in the discussion of what went wrong and Absolutely. the discussion of how to fix it. Yeah, and because if you just you just stand there and tell them you did this, you did that, you did this, they're just thinking that they're mad at you and that you don't understand them. If, if yeah, it's a one-way street. Absolutely. And if you give them the chance to weigh in on it, then their minds start working and their gears start turning and they start problem solving. They start mm -hmm. taking a situation that they don't like. Right. And they are given the opportunity then to make it into a situation that's better. I mean, obviously, you know, if right. your kid's solution to not being able to have chocolate chip cookies for dinner is to eat them for, you know, for breakfast and lunch. Right. You, know, you gotta, you, you, you gotta, you gotta kind of help them work with, with realistic problem solving. And I mean, more than once, my kids have, have yelled at me, you never listen to me. You don't understand. Yeah. And giving them that arena to, yeah. And learn that skill of being able to express their feelings in appropriate ways and coming up with then with a solution that works for, you know, everybody involved. Yeah. And I've been amazed. Like I said, I, I, I'm a huge proponent of it, but it's so hard to remember to do in the heat of the moment. Right. And I will be, you know, in a really rough <laughs> dialogue with one of our kids where we're lecturing right. and I'm watching their eyes kind of just glaze over. And then I'm remembering, oh, they're not, they're not actively participating in the, like in this conversation. No. And I have to ask questions that include them. And then they just, I'm not saying it's perfect, but they do. They engage more. But, you know, then there, then there are some times as a parent where the answer is just no. You know, can I have French fries for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And they're screaming on the floor because you won't give them French fries and you can't then right. just give them it's also, <laughs> French fries. It's also a great thing for them to learn how to accept a no. Exactly. Because yeah. no's will come to them throughout all their lives. They won't get a job that they wanted. Mm -hmm. Somebody won't give them something that they wanted. And so that's an important skill to learn always as well. You know, I remember when our oldest daughter, Melanie was about, I don't know, about 13 or 14. And I've told this story before, but um, we wanted to sit down and discuss some things with her. And so we did. <laughs> and we were eloquent. Sure. We, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the sentences that came out of our mouth, I mean, were just beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. At, Sure. As we laid out for her, um, the expectations, uh, our thoughts and feelings about, you know, yeah. being a teenager. Yeah. And but, she, huh? But I'm sure all she heard was, yeah. meow, 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 meow. That's right. She <laughs> sat there on the couch staring at us, we thought with rapt attention. Sure. Um, but the meow, meow, meow thing was probably going through her head. Um, and then... We hugged her, told her we loved her, and just, we patted ourselves on the back that night. We thought we, oh man, we've got this whole parenting teenager like, thing down. I wish I could have recorded it. We could have just 
giving it to all of our kids when they hit this age. You know, it was just so wise and profound. Well, the next day, there was no change. There was no change in, in her behavior or her thoughts or any of the things that we had discussed. And we were devastated. And we all of a sudden, and we said, you know what? In that whole conversation, Melanie said nothing. Mm-hmm. We did not ask her one question. And in a very real way, we did not validate any of the feelings that she might be having. We kept telling her how she's feeling and how she should act. Right, right. But we never asked her or validated how she was feeling. And, you know, I, I think that that's a huge component to helping a children build self-esteem. And I, and I like using the word self-esteem and confidence kind of synonymously. Right. Um, because if we don't validate that our kids feel that way. I mean, what they're feeling could be irrational. It could be based on incorrect assumptions or, I, I mean, we, and we might agree with how right. they're feeling or that they should feel a certain way. But the fact is that those feelings they're feeling are very real and true to them. Mm-hmm. And if we start telling them how their feeling is silly or ridiculous or wrong, that breaks down some of the basic building blocks of their confidence of their self-esteem of being able to trust how you feel and um again and it's not it's not that you then cater to then everything that they want based on those feelings especially if they're basing those feelings on incorrect assumptions but you at least have to start there you at least have to start with the i can see that you're really upset about this i can see you know Mm-hmm. And I, that would make me really frustrated too, you know, that th- this happened. Those, those little sentences mm-hmm. empower kids so much to be able to trust how they feel. Well, and, and don't we all want to be validated? And so why would children be any, any different? And I can't they're... imagine as an adult, if, it, if, if one of my friends came to me and said, oh, I was just so mad. This lady cut me off in the parking lot and then said something really rude to me. And I just so mad. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I couldn't, I could imagine myself being like, well, that's so silly. That's so silly. Maybe, you know, and then lecture her for feeling mad. Like that, you know, this doesn't happen in the adult, on an adult level. That shouldn't happen at a kid level either. That's right. You know, children are going, also going through the time when they're trying to figure themselves out. They're trying to understand who they are and what their feelings are. And these buildings of self blocks of self-esteem are established as they work through that process and the reaction that they get from our parents. I also feel like, you know, the end of the day, as the, as the, our children learn how to work through and, and express their feelings, they have the confidence to be able to do that. Yeah. And it starts with working with their parents and then working with a teacher, working with friends. And um, they grow into being more confident adults yeah. with a higher self-esteem. The next takeaway that we want to discuss is to help our children learn that feeling good about themselves in of itself is reward. And I am all about celebrating and I am not beyond bribery. However, we cannot celebrate or bribe everything. And I think we kind of touched on this a little bit in our previous episode about chores where, you know, eventually the gold star stickers lose their charm. Right. The, you know, A's on the paper kind of lose their charm. We just need to help our kids find more intrinsic ways to build their, you know, base their confidence and build their confidence. And and more intrinsic means for doing something. 
well or good or, or to work hard. Right. I remember when Eric was, I don't know, probably maybe in the first grade, I read an article and I apologize, I don't remember the doctor that wrote the article, but talked about helping raise the self-esteem in, in your children through how you compliment them. And so often, yeah. certainly so guilty of this, my kids will come home and they'll show me a picture, or they'll show me something that they do. And I will say, hey, that that's great. Or you're so smart, or you're a good artist, or you you can do this so well. And they talked about the effects of this external type of recognition yeah. um, versus internal rec- recognition. And external can sometimes you know, put a little bit of pressure on them or they start looking for external validation for their I mean, things. I remember being told by somebody, um, wow, you are such a kind person because they saw me doing something uh-huh. kind. And I remember feeling just panicked inside yeah. I thought that they would find out about all the not kind things. All the not kind things. Yes. <laughs> it was really recently done and probably will, unfortunately, at some point in the future, right. possibly potentially do because I thought, oh my gosh, this person now thinks I'm a kind person. Yeah. I'm going to let them down. Yeah. I might do something unkind. Like, will that maybe be an unkind person? Unkind person. <laughs> that, that's right. That, that, and that, that, uh, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And, when they talked about internal, having our child feel internally um, good about ourselves being its own reward, instead of those compliments that I just got through saying, to say things like when they bring home something for us to look at, say, wow, you must have, that must have felt so good to be able to do that. Right. Um, or, or, or let's say you, they had done something kind, you know, how did that how that make you feel? Like how, you know, what was your feelings about that? And so I tried it out on Eric and he brought home a, um, a picture and he showed it to me. And I said, wow, Eric, you must've really felt good about what you have drawn. And he looked at me kind of surprised and he said, yeah, I do. Kind of like he hadn't really realized it. Right. So then I went on to ask him, what's your favorite part of the picture? What was the hardest to draw? Right. How did you figure that out? And it was a much more productive, certainly rewarding um, conversation. And ever since then, I, I did try to um, do a little bit better with that with my children and with my grandchildren when they show me things to, to help them understand that and, you know, to help them with those internal compliments to, to their satisfaction and a job well done. Right. And, you know, I really like Dr. Carol Zweck. She's the um, psychiatrist, I think she is, um, behind the growth mindset versus fixed mindset um, phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of what you're talking about is um, teaching our kids that it's about the effort and the hard work and not necessarily the um, modifier or the adjective that gets assigned, you know, that and because what that that does is that when our kids do hit a failure, let's say Eric drew something that wasn't as as good, they stop worrying about the label. They stop worrying about, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be a good artist and this isn't good. So now I feel shameful and I feel like I have to right. hide this. And now I don't want to draw anymore because I didn't do, you know, make a good, right. draw a good picture. Um, and it's, they had all the, um, Dr. Zweck, shows all these um, interesting studies they did over about intelligence. 
and kids that are complimented on their effort versus being called intelligent, we're willing to tackle and try harder puzzles or harder, you know, mm-hmm. um, activities. And those kids who were um, praised for their intelligence kind of shut down because they, they were just worried wow. then about losing the label, losing the, the praise or the external reward um, or affirmation um, about it. So what it does when we, when we focus on our kids' effort and we help our kids focus on how a behavior made them feel, mm-hmm. th- then we're setting them up to develop that growth mindset, the idea that they can tackle something, they can do something through hard work. But if they do fail, they can get back up and try again or try a different way, try a different way. Right. And, and I think, too, you know, my big takeaway from this is that as their self-esteem and their abilities, confidence in their strengths increases and they look inward for validation instead of outward, I, I feel like they can better resist, um, you know, make better, better decisions, better resist those cool kids that want to know want them to do something that's wrong. And my son Daniel was, was great at this. He was always being asked to do things that um, he didn't want to do. And he was very easily just said, yeah, no, yeah, didn't really worry about it. And I think that that is a skill that um, can be, can be uh, strengthened through mm-hmm. their, their self-esteem, this ability to make a choice, I feel is directly correlated with their self-esteem and that ability to feel inwardly confident to be right. able to say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Right. Right. Um, our next topic is uh, let them fail and teach them how to come back from it. We all fail. And we can first, in helping our children learn how to come back from a failure, we first teach them the failing doesn't have to be scary or permanent. Right. Um, but they do need to be responsible or take responsibility for it. We can't right. go in and fix that failure. Right. And, and I do feel like we live in a kind of a culture where it's not my fault. The not, it's not my fault. Right. Or I had no choice. Yeah. And, you know, and so I think that as parents, it's our responsibility to sometimes help our kids face some of those hard truths that. Right you know, your choices have consequences. And if you chose not to study for this test, then it really is your fault that you did poorly. Right. And uh, they can take responsibility for that. They don't. And, it, and again, going back to the, it's not, it's not scary or permanent. It, this is what happened and we can, you know, encourage better study, et cetera, you know, all those kinds of things. Well, to help them. And then your, and then your child feels empowered mm-hmm. to know that they have control over that situation. That's right better grade they can control that they can work you know and and do what they need to do right absolutely but also too sometimes in life that we and our children hit roadblocks that we don't understand how we're going to be able to get over we don't know how to are truly out of our control that are truly out of our control when caroline was in high school she was taking ap physics and she did have a teacher who just really refused to teach Anytime Caroline asked her a question, uh, the teacher would say, you're in an AP class, you should know the answer. They would have a test and she would fail a test because the test was about things that were not covered. Right. So she had every excuse to say, it's not my fault and walk away. However, 
nothing is going to be learned or gained from, from that at all. And it would teach her to, to look at problems as not her fault and kind of get into that victim mentality, right? Right. right. That I had, um, because it's not my fault and I have no control, there's nothing I can do about it. Valid. Right. Instead of taking action and working her way through it. And, and if she takes a college class that needs the physics and she told the college professor, my teacher refused to teach me. And so it's not my fault. I can't now pass your class. Mm-hmm. The professor's not going to have much. He's not going to care. He's just not right. going to care. And so we have to teach our children how to work these, work through these things. So we kind of talked about it a little bit. I have, was no help. Physics is not my. <laughs> Physics, I will never understand. Well, that's not true. I could. If I worked hard enough, I could. But I sure. currently, at this point in life, do not yeah. understand vectors and how two plus two does not equal four with vector. I don't understand. Yeah. So what she did was, after we kind of discussed some things, is she, the first thing she did is she formed a study group. She found the kids in her class that wanted to learn physics and wanted to work through the problem, and they, they formed a study group. The second thing she did is she went online and found online physics classes. Wow. And they, they just took it chapter by chapter. She would learn it from online, and she would teach the kids in the study group. <laughs> and they just they got through physics. Wow. And um, so she learned a lot of things from this. One, you know, even though the, there was extenuating circumstances as to why she was failing physics, she didn't let that stop her. Mm-hmm. She looked at those problems and figured out a way to over, overcome them. And she learned how to come back from that and solve problems. And, uh, you know, taking the two, the two roads either, well, it's not my fault and I'm just going to have to fail physics versus what she did the self-esteem of learning how to work through those problems really is greater. I had kind of a similar thing happen to me tonight. I ordered one scoop of ice cream and and beyond my control, the person gave me two scoops. And I looked at that (laughs) scoop of ice cream and I thought, man, I didn't ask for this. No. I I didn't ask to be put in this situation. That's right. I had to like dig deep. I had to like really harness (laughs) my grit. And make a plan to figure out how I was going to, like, you know, polish off two scoops when I, you know, I didn't ask. Yeah. That. Did you survive? I rose above it. You know, and I, I don't want to say I deserve a gold medal per se, but if someone had. No, me, because that would be external validation. Well, or someone wanted to tell me <laughs> that I, they were proud of my hard work, I would take. Right. Do you take that one? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm proud of your hard work. Thank you. Thank You're you. You're welcome. It's so, um, so worth it. So worth it. Uh, the last uh, discussion point is um, in helping our children uh, raise their self-esteem. We as mothers let our children be who they are. You know, you often see families, you know, that have their thing, right? So you have a sports family, a, a running family, a musical right. family, the Von yep. Traps. The Von Traps, absolutely. Um, but what do you do when you realize that your child does not love the things that you love? Wouldn't that be hilarious if there was another Von Trapp child who couldn't carry the tune, <laughs> who just like never made it into the into the history book or the right, right, like, yeah, <laughs> like um, 
Franz or I, I can't, Han or, you know, I can't. Oh, somebody that they never talked about because he couldn't carry a tune. <laughs> because he couldn't carry a tune. That's right. Well, you know, I mean, I, when I was a child, my mother's a musician, my dad's an artist. And um, you were the Hans? I was the Hans, yeah. I, like, I often felt like my skills and talents were lacking. I had, uh, even though I do have some art, I have no music talent. Um, and even though I feel like I do have some artistic talent, my brothers were so ta- I just talented that I always felt like I came up short. And uh, this always, you know, hit me big in my self-esteem. And, um, and if you do, if you judge yourself by what your family wants you to be and you come up short, you begin to devalue the talents and skills that you do have. I didn't recognize the talents and skills that I had. Um, I only could think of the talents and skills I didn't have and, and, and uh, didn't get. Yeah. And I think it's then on the flip side that when you try to parent your child, that if you work too hard to push, if you cross the line between introducing your child to things and pushing things on your child, you can kind of see how that mentality then that problem develops. Right. Yeah. Whereas if they show an interest in something that you're not interested in, and we've talked about this before in previous podcasts, you know, these things that they are interested in and that we encourage them in, whether we like or not, help our children form a a great sense of identity, identity, which contributes to their self-esteem, knowing who you are, what you're good at. Yeah. And I think that we, if we're on the front lines for our kids and cheering them on and the things that they're interested in, that really helps them. It, ha- it helps them have confidence in the things that make them them and unique and special. That what they are mm-hmm. is, value- is valuable and, and appreciated. By right. Them. And it also helps them understand that we can all be different and that's okay. Yeah. We, can, we can root for the family members that love music. Right. And we can root for the family members that love sports or, you know, maybe somebody has a, uh, you know, wants to do, uh, inv- cares about the environment or wants to do all sorts of different things. We can root for that. And that's okay. We don't always right. have to be the same. And I think that that is such an important life skill to learn. Well, that's about all that we have time for today. And I just want to say in closing, I mean, wouldn't it be so nice if we could give our children an instant dose of self-esteem or a magic potion that once ingested, they could see all that they are capable of and have the skills to navigate through their world and make choices based on the best opinion of themselves. However, self-esteem, like the before mentioned happiness um, in our previous podcast, is one of those things that has to be developed by themselves from within. But, as, but we as mothers can be a huge part in teaching and encouraging those skills. Um, help them learn how to work through conflicts. Help them learn that feeling good about themselves is reward in and of itself. Teach them to come back from failure and then encourage their own talents and skills, even if they are not like yours. Thanks for listening. We encourage you to leave us, review, leave us a review or you can contact me at Cynthia.Anderson at one mom to another or visit my website one mom to another.com until next time remember you're doing better than you think I need some home.